Welcome to the Kingdom Corner Podcast, where we discuss how to live the kingdom culture on earth as it is in heaven, just as Jesus prayed. Here's your host, the great Matt Guy. Good day, Kingdom Corner Podcast followers. Matt Guybe here with you again on another episode of the Kingdom Corner Podcast. Now recently, I believe it was about three weeks ago or so now, we had started into a portion of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 4, and I believe it was the middle of the chapter, about verse 17. We're going to cover verses 17 to 24 today, and this is the second episode of the second season. I hope you go back and listen to the first episode with the great pastoral, apostolic, prophetic teacher, Tyler Frick. It was off the chain. It was quite a way, quite a thing to kick off the new season at the Kingdom Corner podcast, and I want to thank you all for being faithful followers to tune in every week and to hear what the Lord has put on my heart. I believe we're going to follow up now in Ephesians 4 because there's so many rich things here. I've told you that this was a book for our time and season that we're going through, and I just believe that the more I read it. So let's go ahead then, and we will go ahead and we'll just read the portion of Scripture from the New King James Version, Ephesians 4, 17 to 24, titled under here, The New Man. Verse 17, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. And that's the portion of Scripture that we're going to go into today. Last time we were in Ephesians, I believe we had started into this, and we had talked quite a bit about, just for your review, about the former way of life that Paul was talking about that the Gentiles lived before they knew Christ. And this really parallels to the former way of life many of us have known before we knew Christ. And he was exhorting them not to walk in the way those Gentiles walked that were in the world. And that is a good parallel today. We're not supposed to walk according to what everyone else is doing in the world. And I think for some review, the first thing I want to pick up on is in verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify. The word for testify, I think we covered last time, means literally do all things pertaining to the Lord. So we could read it this way. This I say, therefore, do all things pertaining as unto the Lord, and therefore do not walk any longer as the rest of the Gentiles walk. If you're walking as unto the Lord, you cannot walk like the rest of the Gentiles or the rest of the world walks to those in our society today. We talked about last time the futility of those that are in the world, of their mind. 
The futility or vanity is another version or rendering. And in Greek, that literally means a waste of rational power on worthless objects. A waste of rational power on worthless objects, meaning literally idolatry. And we know people in the world, they cling to and idolize a lot of things, whether it's a sports figure, a car, a Hollywood icon, possibly somebody even in their own family. You know, you are supposed to love your husband and wife and children, but you're not supposed to idolize them. So we talked about that the last time. Today, and just for a couple scriptures, let's go to verse 18 again. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated, and that word alienated has to do, again, man was alienated. He's referring there in the Greek, it's making reference to how man was alienated from God when Adam fell in the garden. That's when it first started, and man's been alienated ever since, unless they come to a believing and saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that his blood made for their sin, and they accept that and acknowledge it by faith, that right now they're alienated. In Paul's time, there were many alienated Gentiles. In our time, there are many alienated people, our neighbors, maybe friends, maybe even people of our family. So we were talking about being alienated. Let's read on. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Let's read a few scriptures here, and then I want to go back to something here. Ephesians 4.18, cross-reference. And this is for us. This is to be more, I want to be more positive today. The last lesson we covered in Ephesians, walk not as the world. I think there was a lot of explaining the negative way of life. Today, we want to contrast that so you can see the kind of empowerment and power that God wants us to walk in. Over in the next chapter, Ephesians 5.8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And let's go to another one, 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 and 5. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So again, those are cross-references. Those are what we are to be like in contrast to those that walk in the world. Now, I want to go back and catch this one phrase, because God really highlighted this to me when I was studying this, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, and then this phrase, because of the blindness of their heart, or the blindness of their hearts. And I want us to turn to John chapter 8. We're going to read a portion of Scripture there that I think is a good cross-reference to this blindness of their heart, and I want to just unpack something here for you that God put on my heart. John chapter 8, and I'm going to start at verse 34, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation, John eight thirty-four. I speak eternal truth, Jesus said. When you sin, you are not free. You've become a slave to bondage, to your sin. And slaves have no permanent standing in a family like a son does, for a son is part of the family forever. So if the revelation of being a son sets you free from sin, then become a true son and be unquestionably free. 
even though you are descendants of Abraham. Even though you are the descendants of Abraham, he's talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees here, you desire to kill me because the message I bring has not found a home in your heart. Yet the truths I speak I've seen and received in my father's presence. But you are doing what you've learned from your father. What do you mean, they replied. Abraham is our father. Jesus said, if you really were Abraham's sons, then you would follow in the steps of Abraham. I've only told you the truth that I've heard in my father's presence. But now you are wanting me dead. Is that how Abraham acted? No. You people are doing what your father has taught you. Indignant, they responded, What are you talking about? We only have one father, God himself. We're not illegitimate. Jesus said, Then, if God were really your father, you would love me, for I've come from his presence. I didn't come here on my own, but God sent me to you. Why don't you understand what I say? You don't understand because your hearts are closed to my message. You are the offspring of your father, the devil, and you serve your father very well, passionately carrying out his desires. He's been a murderer right from the start. He never stood with the one who is the true prince, for he's full of nothing but lies. Lying is his native tongue. He is a master of deception and the father of lies, but I am the true prince who speaks nothing but the truth. Yet you refuse to believe, and you want nothing to do with me. Can you name one sin that I've committed? Then if I'm telling you only the truth, why don't you believe me? If you really knew God, you would listen, receive, and respond with faith to his words. But since you don't listen and respond to what he says, it proves you don't belong to him and you have no room for him in your hearts. Okay, now the setting is here is Jesus talking to the religious leaders of the Jews, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the leaders of the Jewish religion, and telling them they're really of the devil because they're not listening to his words. And that's in contrast, or we could say in comparison to what we've been talking about today, there are those out there that are following the enemy, that are following the devil. And yet, I want us to go to verse 47. There's something really important in here for us. If you really knew God, you would listen, receive, and respond with faith to his words. But since you don't listen and respond to what he says, it proves you don't belong to him, and you have no room for him in your heart. And we've been talking about the last episode when we started in this portion of Scripture in Ephesians about walk not like the world, and today we've started to talk about that again. But here I want to hit on something. What about you, dear friend? Most people that come here are Christians. What about you? Christian brother and sister. How does this speak to you? Are you listening, receiving, and responding with faith to the Father's words? Oh, we talk about our neighbor or the man or woman we work with who is, doesn't know God and is far from him, and even maybe our relative who's blasphemous and this and that. And yet, what about us? You know, God kind of pricked my heart. He kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, son, what about this? If you really knew me, if you're really knowing me, are you listening and receiving and responding with faith to my words? Talked about the blindness of their heart, the leaders of that day, that they were blind. And, and in Ephesians, talks the blindness of the Gentiles' hearts that don't know him. But what about our hearts? Are we ever blind? Do we ever walk in blindness? 
And, you know, there's several things I thought of here as the Lord was speaking to my heart about this, examples of this in my own life, you know, and one you all know if you're a parent out there, and that's giving direction, correction, different instructions to your children, you know. And I know what that's like. I've been through that with one daughter, and now I have granddaughters. And you know, you can be looking right at them, giving them a word of instruction, a word of encouragement, a word of something they may need to take care of. And they're looking at you, and it's as if their eyes are glazed over. And you know the old cartoon, you're saying what you want them to do or don't do, and they're hearing you, but they're not hearing you. What they're hearing as you say the words to do this or do that is, wah, 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 wah. Wah, 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 wah. They're not really tuned into you. And sometimes I think as children, as sons and daughters of God, it's the same for us. God is trying to get our attention to tell us something, and we're distracted with something else, with our own agenda, and we're hearing wah, 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 wah. You know, isn't that true? And another example I thought of, I've been married here coming up this week on Wednesday, the 7th of October. For 42 years, and I think over and over of my relationship with my wife, I'm a pretty excitable guy in positive ways and sometimes in negative, which is not good. I'm a passionate guy. And sometimes I get so excited when she tells me something, you know, or is sharing something with me, or I'm excited about something else, and I'm not really hearing what she's saying. I'm shaking my head, I'm listening, but I'm not really hearing what she's saying, and I either miss it all together. Or I do what she's asked, so I think, and she comes back to me and says, you know, I appreciate you doing this, but I wanted you to also do this, or you didn't listen to me and you did this wrong. I didn't mean for you to do this, you know. Another example is my own little dog, our own little dog here, who's kind of become my dog, our little Lottie's. He's part Lasso-Opso, part Maltese. He's a good little dog. He's about nine years old now, and we've grown pretty close. We walk every day. But sometimes he's out in the backyard, and I call him to come in, and sometimes he just ignores me. He'd rather be doing his own thing. And so my question to you today, are you doing your own thing? The Bible says that his sheep, if we're the sheep of the Father, we hear his voice and we know his voice. And I know that also implies we respond to his voice. How well are you listening receiving, responding to his direction, to his voice in your life. And again, we could talk about this a little further. There's several sermons in here. Again, a lot of times, even with our children, even with my wife, I've listened or they've listened to what I've said or or we've listened to what the Lord says. But have we responded? Have we taken action on what he said? Have we done what he's asked us to do? And I know sometimes I've been in prayer and I feel his presence, and he's beginning to talk to me, and he'll kind of gently say, well, Matt, what have you done about this? Have you done anything about this? And I'll say, well, nope, I haven't taken care of that yet, Lord. (laughs) Just like our children, no, I haven't taken the garbage out yet, Grandfather. You know, I asked you two days ago, no, didn't take care of that yet. And I think that sometimes we are like that with the Lord, that we're not, we maybe heard what he said, we could even recite it back to him, but we haven't responded with action. We haven't responded with faith. You know, how well today are we listening and then responding? We need to listen plus respond. You know, if we listen and we don't respond, then we become hardened in our hearts. That, that much I know. 
you know, we become hardened. And like the next part in verse 19 of Ephesians says, we become, hopefully, like the world, they're past feeling. And hopefully we're not past feeling. Hopefully we're not to the point where our hearts are hardened because God has tried to talk to us so many times and we haven't responded correctly. The next part of the verse says, and this really struck my heart, but since you don't listen and respond, this is in John again, John 8, and I'm at 47, the second part, but since you don't listen and respond to what he says, it proves, wow, you don't belong to him and have no room in your hearts for him. And see, they weren't listening and responding to Jesus, that he was the Son of God, that he had come to be their Savior in God's name. They weren't responding. In fact, they were hardening their heart. And, you know, what does that say about us, though? If we're not listening and responding, wow, it means we don't belong to him. And, and I know the majority of people that come to this podcast are Christians, and I know you love the Lord, or you wouldn't be coming here and listening, but let's apply that to our heart. That is a measure, that is a gauge of how much we love the Father. You know, my sheep hear my voice, they know me, and that to me implies they're also responding. You know, they're not being like my little dog and just staying outside of the sheep pen when he calls them. So that's my one word I really wanted to touch on today about the blindness of a heart. It's not just to the people that are unchristian, it's also to us who are Christians. We can be blind. In fact, my wife was talking to me the other day about a situation, and she says, well, you're just blind to that. And I had to examine my heart again, and I had to repent, because I have been blind to some things. Sometimes we're so defensive and we're blind to our own faults. That's enough on that now. So we were in Ephesians 4, 18, talking about the blindness of hearts. Let's go to verse 19, and let's finish up today and get through verse 24. Again, we're talking about the contrast of how the church should be as opposed to the world. And hopefully, this little, you know, side trail that I've went on, hopefully we are not unresponsive to the Lord. Hopefully we're tender and we're hearing what he says in our life. That was a message for somebody out there today, I'm sure. Let's go on. Verse 19, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness or lewdness, as some translations say, to work all uncleanness with greediness. Let's look at verse 19 here, see if there's any good cross-references. Their understanding darkened, verse 18 again, if we talk about that, we can just pick up on some other words here, speaks of intelligence or perceptions, that their mind's all jumbled up and they're confused and it's, everything is nebulous. And we talk about here because of verse 18 again, having their understanding darkened. See, I'm backing up a little bit. Being alienated. We talked about the fall of Adam there from life because of their ignorance. And the ignorance we're talking about is the people of the world are willingly ignorant, not just naive. Some of them are naive, but the group he's talking to are people that are willingly ignorant because they're blind in their heart. And we talked a lot about that. Their past feeling, hardness, blindness of heart means callousness, a callousness of feeling. Literally a hardening of one's skin. Remember, it talked about hardening of the heart. This is verse 18 and 19. Callousness is another word when we talk in verse 19, being past feeling. The word means callous, a state of no shame, being desensitized, having, being hopeless. This is the ultimate result of a long process of hardening one's hearts through habits of sin. 
you know, they've practiced sin. They're practicing sin. Verse 19, Vulgate, the Vulgate says, translation says, they're past or totally in despair. They're past helping or they're totally in despair. First Timothy 4, 2 says, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. This is that group of people. They've seared their conscience. Isn't that terrible? They become desensitized. That's the picture he's, he's, sent, he's bringing out there in verse 19. They're without the life of God. There's no longer any feeling. And we've read last time in this portion, we read Romans 1, 21 through 28, about how they didn't glorify God, so he gave them up to their reprobate mind. You can go back and listen to that. Hardness, blindness of their heart, verse 18 and 19. That is a callousness of feeling, hardening of the skin. Jesus often said he was grieved with the hardness of their hearts, okay, of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the people in that day because they had no faith. Your heart turns hard without faith, without responding to God. Your heart gets hard. Let's go on. Who being past feeling, verse 19, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness of greediness. Let's go on. Let's go on to... They've given themselves over to sin. I just want to touch on this for a minute. Because they willingly gave themselves over to sin or uncleanness, God withdrew his grace and blessing. Read that scripture in Romans 1, 21 through 28 for more on that. Their sin actually aided and actually became their punishment. They became a slave to sin. Think of the alcoholic who's destroying his body. What a picture that is. Because they give themselves over, and first there's a pleasure in it, a lusting in it, and then they become captive to it, and it starts to break down their body, whether it's alcohol or drugs or whatever. So God, in Romans one twenty one through 28, talks about, especially verse 24, he gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their heart. Lasciviousness, I talked about, meant lewdness. Sinning without shame, intemperance, recklessness in sin, ready to give themselves over to every indulgence. I think of the time in Noah's time where their constant imagination was evil. It talked about there before God brought the flood. And I want to talk here for a minute. I just want to take really hit this hard again about them being the world, the Gentiles, the worldly people being desensitized, being past feeling. But I want to talk to you a minute, Christian. Another thought I had for you when I was reading this is, you know, this old nature here that we're not to be having any part of in our life. I want to just emphasize to you that I remember a sermon one time a long time ago from a man of God, and he was likening, trying to control or put down the old nature with that of he had gone to a circus or a zoo and there was an exhibition there of a man wrestling an alligator, and he wrestled that alligator and wrestled it, and he finally controlled it, had it all wrapped up, but eventually that alligator got loose. And I want to just tell you, the answer today is not wrestling with your sins and faults and trying to hold them down like you do an alligator, because eventually they'll bust loose, and they'll bite you, they'll devour you. I've tried to walk that way before, of trying to hold my sin nature down, and focus on those negative things in my life. Not not that it's not that we shouldn't be aware of some of those things, but in your own strength and power, you cannot do that. I've tried that before. It doesn't work. And we're going to talk about this a little more here because as we finish this up, we're going to find out an answer to this, an answer to this problem. 
you know, we're, we're talking about a contrast between walking with God and the people that don't walk with God and how the people that don't walk with God, what they're like. And we're not to be like that because he says in verse 20, if we go on, well, let's talk one more word, greediness, that I picked up on here, I believe, in the text. Uh, verse 19, to work all uncleanness and greediness. Remember, I think if you go back in the podcast, you can read where we talked about how to have unity, you know, and it was the answer to chaos. And one of the key ingredients to having unity in the body of Christ in the world is to have humility. That thwarts greediness. That puts down greediness. And I read to you the beautiful portion of Scripture in Philippians 2, how Christ put down his own desires and he was a man who served others. And true humility is what will get you ahead. Greediness in the, in the Greek here talks about like covetousness, which again goes back to idolatry. We're coveting, and it's a, a picture of pushing somebody out of the way to get something. And we're not like that as the true church of God, as the saints of God, as the bride of Christ. We're not greedy. We're those of humility, and you'll never get ahead by pushing others out of the way. Remember the brothers that came to Jesus, the, you know, the sons of thunder, and they wanted to be first in the kingdom of God. And he looked at them and he said, really? If you want to be first, go back to the end of the line then and be last. Remember that? That's what he talked about. And so that I wanted to pick up on that word before we go on. But now I want to give you the answer to what we're talking about today, to trying to fight that alligator of the flesh that you cannot do. What is the answer in this passage of Scripture that he has for us that is in contrast to how the world is walking? He says, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness, verse 19. But you, he's talking to them now, the saints in the Gentile church there in Ephesus, have not so learned Christ. If, indeed, you have, remember my message today, from John heard him and have been taught by him. John 8, how are you doing on hearing, responding, and acting when the Father talks to you? But you have not learned, so learned Christ. In other words, you're not like those in the world. If, here's the clause, here's the condition, indeed you have heard him. Wow, he's been hitting that today for us. Have you heard him? Have you been taught by him? To be heard by him means that if you're hearing him, that implies, just like I talked about, you allow him to teach you and instruct you. If a child hears what his mom and dad wants and really hears it in his heart, that means he allows them to instruct them and correct them and tell them what to do. If indeed you have heard him and been taught by him, as this truth is in Jesus. And here Paul is speaking from his office as an apostle where he said, you know, one of the things he said in Philippians, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection being made conformable to his death. Paul wanted an experiential relationship with Jesus. He knew it wasn't enough just to try and obey the laws, just to try to hold the alligator of the law down. He had to know him to really indeed hear him and be instructed by him. Now, I think that's, I think that's word is worth you being here today. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man. How do you put that off? Let's go on here. First, by listening and hearing what the Father is saying, right? But also, 
that you have put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. So you can't, you know, you can't fight that alligator. He's going to overwhelm you, and those lusts are going to overtake you. And verse 23, here's the answer. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And then verse 24, put on the new man. We put off the old man by putting on the new man. How? By being renewed in the spirit of our mind. That literally means, it's such a beautiful phrase in the Greek. I have to pick that up for you here. Literally, to continually be made young again or renewed in the spirit of your mind or in the youth of the new man. Wow. That's a promise to us today. We can continually be made young again, renewed in the spirit of our mind or in the youth of the new man. Rotherham translation says, be getting young again in the spirit of your mind. We can get younger and younger. And I'm thinking he's talking about having the childlike, pliable, simple faith. You know, that's what he's talking about there. We can get more and more that way before the Lord as we learn to listen, hear, and respond to his voice. This is a process made only available through Christ. Second Timothy 1.7, we've talked about, you can go back in the Kingdom Corner podcast and listen to my lessons on Sophronis Moss about Second Timothy 1.7, about renewing and empowering your mind. Colossians 3.10, and you have put on the new man which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. The only way to be renewed is to hear and respond to his voice. And that comes by only having a personal sit-down relationship with him, not by trying to implement a bunch of laws and, you know, rules. In the spirit of your mind is referring to the spiritual nature, a better translation, by the spirit of your mind. First Thessalonians 5.23 cross-reference, And the very presence and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless, unto the coming of our Lord. So we put on the new nature and put off the old by having our mind renewed, by knowing that in our spirit, as we wait to hear and respond to him, we're getting younger and younger again in the spirit. This picture alludes to being restored to the image of Adam before the fall. Remember how I said earlier in the passage in verse 18, he was alienated, but now we're brought close again, being restored to the image that Adam had before the fall. That's what it's talking about there. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, Ephesians 2.10. You know verse 8 and 9 probably by heart. For by grace are you saved by faith and not of yourselves. It is the work of God, lest any man should boast. And then he goes on to say, what happens then? We become his workmanship, his poetry, his masterpieces, some translations say, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That's what we're talking about here. And it's by responding and hearing and listening to the words of the Father, not by trying to obey a bunch of rules. So that's what we've been talking about today, putting on to put off, about listening, hearing, and responding to the voice of the Father, not being hardened in our hearts like those in the world. Christian can get easily hardened. You can sit in a church for years and years and hear all those words, and if you never implement them, you'll get hardened in your heart. You'll be as the ones when Jesus said, Father, they come to him in the last day and said, Father, haven't we done all these wonderful works in your name, miracles and signs and all this? And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. To really hear and respond to his voice and do what he says by faith, 
We must hear him. We must know him to hear him like the sheep that he talks about in John 10. That's my lesson today. Put on to put off. Don't try to wrestle that old alligator. Get in his presence. Hear, receive, and by faith then respond to what he says. Amen, my friends. Be blessed. Have a wonderful week. And we'll come back again to Ephesians. Thank you. Hey, thank you for being a part of the Kingdom Corner. Make sure you click that subscribe button so you get notified every time we release a new episode. Welcome to the family. 